0: While they're walking out again, my name is Stuart Mazell and a lead pastor here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online or listening to the podcast. We're continuing our series that we've entitled Values. We've been talking about what it is that we value. And and as followers of Christ, we're called to value certain things above other things. And we've talked about how we're to value the Lord Jesus above everything. And we've talked about other kinds of values. Today, we're going to talk about something that you may not expect in a series on values, and that's, how to value other people, that we're actually called to value other people. So let's take a look at some passages. We're going to have three passages today, one, two from Genesis and one from the book of James. And here's what God's word says from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then from Genesis 9, verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And then from James chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Let's just take a few moments to pray. Father, as we think about what it is that we are to value, uh, we pray that by your Spirit, you would allow us to see the greatness of Jesus and how we are to value him and value our relationship with him because he is the only name under heaven where we can be saved. He is the only mediator between us and you, Father. And and so we ask that you would help us to see just how valuable he is. But we also ask that by your spirit you would open our eyes to see the value of other people. And that we would put into practice the truths that we see and hear from your word, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be the one who really preaches today. Help us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we uh, would really reflect who you are in the way we treat others. And and as we pray, Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to show you uh, an image of four gentlemen. You may recognize them. You've got Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and Bill Gates. All four of these men are some of the richest men, not just in America, but in the world. How rich are they? Elon Musk. $179 $179 billion. $179 billion. Jeff Bezos, $125 billion. Warren Buffett, $107 billion. Bill Gates, $104 billion. I did some math, and I'm not great at math. But if you just had $1 billion and you put it in the bank even with like terrible interest rates, you could live off of that for the rest of your life and never have to work a bit. And they all have over $100 billion. Think about that. Because these men are so rich, some people might be tempted to think that they're more valuable than other people because they have more money They have more status. People know their names. People don't know my name, but they know these people's names. So they must be more valuable, right? That's what we want to talk about today, to challenge the idea that men like this are actually more valuable than you. Or than anybody else that you meet. Because according to the scriptures, people, people have significant value because God created us in his image. People have significant value because God created us in his image. Now a few years ago, I think it was in 2021, we did a series on identity and I talked... For two weeks about what this is like so if you were here then and you recognize some of this sermon you'll go hey I've heard this before good because we need this repeated over and over and over again but it's not the same sermon I promise you you can go back and check it out for yourself. So Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27, we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created Adam, which is that word there, man, in his own image. In the image of God, he created Adam. Male and female, he created them. Human beings are created in the image of God, and because they're created in the image of God, we have significant value, each and every one of us, whether we have billions of dollars or we have zero. Now, a few things we need to clear up about what it means to be in the image of God. I'm going to try to go through this fairly quickly because this isn't the main point, but if you don't understand this you don't get what we're trying to talk about for the application. So a few things that we need to know about being the image of God. First, the image of God is not something in us or even done by us. It is our status. The image of God is not something in us or even done by us. It is our status. You know, sometimes I hear Christians talk about the image of God in human beings... ...as if there's something in us that makes us the image of God... ...but it's not us that's the image. You know, like the fact that I can think rationally... ...or at least sometimes think rationally. They say that's the image of God... Or they may say the fact that you have a a moral soul, that you have morality. That means that's how you are the image of God. What happens if you're immoral? Are you no longer the image of God? What about our ability to have relationship with God? Some people say that's what the image of God is. But as we'll see in just a moment, the image of God is not something in us Or even done by us. It is our status. There are even some people who say that the image of God is something that we do. Like in the passage we just saw. To have dominion over the rest of creation. That's how we are the image of God. Well, what happens when a person is, for example, in a hospice bed and can't have dominion? ...over anything? or have, Do they cease to be the image of God? Those are questions we really need to wrestle with... ...if we have these views. The image of God is not something in us... ...it is not something we do... ...it is our status. Verse 27... ...God created human beings... ...in His own image. In the image of God, God created human beings. Male and female, He created human beings... And no matter what we do, or what we say, or how we act, changes the fact that that is our status. Let me give you an example that is maybe not exactly the analogy that I would want to have it to be, but I think it does make some sense. A few weeks ago, I talked about Prince Harry and how his book is really popular now, um, You know, a few years ago, Prince Harry gave up the title His Royal Majesty and lives in America. But by birthright, he is still a prince, even though he doesn't want to be referred to that way. He's still fifth in line to succession to the throne. Did you know that? And he lost some privileges of being a royal but even though he's tried to run away from it, he can't escape the fact that he has been imprinted with royalty. That is who he is. Something similar is going on with us. Even though we may want to run from it, even though we may want to deny it, our image of God's status is intact. Nothing changes it because it is Our status. God created us as images of God. And that leads us to the second thing that we need to recognize. Not only do we need to recognize that we are the image of God, it is our status, but second, while sin prevents us from expressing the full measure of our image, of God's image, our image of God's status is not lost or destroyed by sin. You know, there are some famous Christian Um, theologians who have spoken this way who speak in terms of when we sin, we lose the image of God. I'm not going to name any names. But they're people that you've heard of. And I know, with fear and trembling, like, who am I to speak against those people who have said those things? And I go back to, it's not me that's speaking against these things. It is the Scriptures and I'm always going to go with the Scriptures over any theologian, over any Bible student. We always go to the Scriptures. The Scriptures are the final say. And what do the Scriptures actually say? Genesis 9:6. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. There's a lot that we can say about this verse, but I want you to notice this is after the fall. Genesis 1, God creates human beings in his own image. Genesis 3, the fall happens and people sin. And after that, people continue to sin. Genesis 9, he says, people are still the image of God. And if you don't believe Genesis 9, think about James 3. James 3, this is New Testament, right? Right? And here we hear James saying, every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And here's what he says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. You see that? From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. These things ought not to be so. People, even when they're sinners, they still have the status of image of God. Uh, So Friday, sorry, Saturdays, every other Saturday is um, household chore weekend for our family. And I had... Uh, I had to do some vacuuming yesterday. And I started thinking, what would happen if instead of sucking up the dirt, the vacuum just spit dirt out? I would get rid of the vacuum. Because there's something wrong with that vacuum, right? There's something wrong with a vacuum that doesn't suck it in. It just spits it out. But I wouldn't stop calling it a vacuum, right? Its status as a vacuum. It's still a vacuum. It's a broken vacuum. It's a vacuum that doesn't perform the way it was made to perform. It's still a vacuum there. You see what I'm saying? In a similar way, we are still images of God, but we're not performing the way God created us to perform. We're not reflecting back the image of God. Even though that's our status, we're not not living a life that shows an accurate view of who God is. The way the image works is someone's supposed to look at me and say, you're the spitting image of your Father in heaven by the way you act. And that is not the case. Just like that broken vacuum, we spew up filth. That we call sin in our lives. We still represent and reflect God, but we do it in a distorted way. As I've said before, it's sort of like when you go to the funhouse and you see those mirrors, those funhouse mirrors. And you know, you might be like me, and you're at least a little bit on the skinny side. And then you look at that, and then you're like, "This wide," or you know, "This short." Even though you're really tall, that's sort of like what we're like as images of God. We're, we're still images. We're still reflecting something, but we're reflecting it in a distorted way. So we need to understand those two things. But the third thing that we need to understand, and, and believe me, this is one of the most important things we're going to talk about today. Jesus is the standard Of the image of God. You want to know what the image of God is supposed to look like? It's Jesus. Jesus is the standard of the image of God. We read that in 2 Corinthians 4 3 through 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Yet, Jesus is God in the flesh, but that flesh, that human nature, is the perfect image of what God created in the first place. What we were supposed to be, but we failed to be by our sin. He is the perfect image of God. And the good news is that those He comes to save... He renews them in that image. Colossians 3, 9-10 says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, that's Genesis 1 language. It's saying you were meant to be this way, you messed up, you sinned, you fell short. And now Jesus has come as the perfect image of God, and he's restoring you. He's renewing you. He's bringing you back to what you should have been in the first place. That's great news for us. See, okay, this is an aside, but I can't help myself. There's so many people who, when they proclaim the truth of Jesus... They, they truncate the, the good news. You know what the word truncate means? They, they shorten it. They make it smaller than what it really is. So many people put the, uh, the idea that the good news of Jesus is that if you believe in him, you don't go to hell. And that's it. That's all there is. Heaven or hell, that's it. Jesus, heaven, no Jesus, hell, Period. And they're missing out on this truth that God designed us to be His image, His reflection. And what we end up doing is we mess that up and Jesus comes to restore that. Not just to save us from hell, but to make us what we were meant to be in the first place. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be what God designed you to be? I hope you do. Some Christians unwittingly say things like, well, you know, what Jesus has done for us is that he, he's forgiven us of our sins. That's the gospel. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness of sins is so important. But if that's all the gospel is, hear me, if all the gospel really is is that I'm forgiven, that's it, what right do I have to heaven itself? Oh, I'm forgiven, but I'm still going to continue to act in sinful ways, even in heaven. And God's just going to have to continually say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you for all eternity. Is that what you want? It's not what I want. I want God not only to forgive me, I want him to change me, to transform me, to be something different than what I was. I want to be a new creation. And that is what the gospel expresses. Not just that you're saved from hell. Not just that you're forgiven. But that God has something better for you. That you're going to be conformed to the image of the true image. Somebody ought to say amen to that. I'm just saying guys. I know you're you're a little tired. Okay, I get it. But That's mind-blowing that somebody would love you enough not just to save you from the worst fate ever, not just to come to you and say, I forgive you, but to say, I love you so much, I love you just the way you are, but I'm going to change you. I'm not going to let you stay that way. I'm going to make you into the perfect version of what you, We're meant to be. Dude, that's good news. And that's what we see in the scriptures. Sorry, that was all aside. Okay. So, what we've seen so far is that the image of God, it's a status. It's not something we do. It's not something inside us. It is us. We are the images of God because that's how God created us to be. We don't lose that status by our sin. God forgives us of our sin. God cleanses us of our sin. God changes us from the inside out to make us like the true image who is Jesus. And that's part of the good news of the gospel. But where I really want to land today is this since we have this status as God's images. What's the takeaway? (laughs) Well, we value others above lesser goods. We value others above lesser goods. You know, there are a lot of things to value. Most of you, if if you've been around for a while, you know that uh, I'm a Duke fan, Duke basketball fan, especially. Duke won last night, by the way, um, against UNC. I'm not looking at the person who likes UNC right now, because I'm just going to keep looking over. Okay. But last, yesterday, Donna said, you know Duke's playing UNC tonight? And I said, yeah, they are. And She said, do you want to see the game? I said, not really. And he's like, how can you call yourself a Duke fan? if you don't really want to see the game. And I said, well, there are some things that are more important than the Duke game. Yeah, I would like to see, I mean, it's fine seeing it, but there are some things that are more important. We had some of you guys over for dinner last night. And I think that was more important than watching the game. Because people are more important than a game. People are more important. People are more valuable than stuff. People are more valuable than all kinds of things. And that's part of the problem that we have in our society today is that so many times we put other things above people. I'm not telling you to put people above God. But I am telling you that to love God, you have to love people. To value God, you have to value people. That's not me saying that. That's what God says in His Word. 1 John 4.20. Hear what He says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, does not love, he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Now specifically, John is talking about a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. So that's double, right? You, you, you definitely cannot say, I hate someone who is in Christ and still love God. There's something really amiss there. And if I can just borrow John's phraseology, we could say, if anyone says, I love God and hate someone made in his image, he is a liar. Why else would Jesus say, love your enemies? Because they're made in the image of God. And we see some of this importance of who people are in the two passages we read from Genesis 9 and James 3. I'm going to read these quickly. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. If nothing else, and this is not a a capital punishment kind of sermon, but if nothing else, what this is saying is you kill someone who's made in the image of God, that's a big deal. You can't just say, oh well, no, no biggie. It's a big deal. James 3, 9-10. With it, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. It's not just murdering someone. It's speaking cursing against someone. That God says, that shouldn't be. Because they're in my image. The way we treat the image is the way we treat the one being imaged. You can't get away from that. All right, for those of you who were a part of the sermon two years ago, you're going to recognize this illustration, but I couldn't come up with a better one. So, but I did come up with a better picture. This, I just had a birthday, and this is a picture of my family that one of my children gave me. And uh, it was actually done by Becca Hermanson. She was the one who took these pictures for us. I love this picture because this is, this is, this is my family, the family that I love. And if one of you came up here right now and grabbed this picture and threw it down on the floor and stomped on it and spit on it, I would be very, very upset with you. I might even get the fisticuffs and I'm not a violent person. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? The way you treat the image is the way you treat the one who is being imaged. And if we treat other people Like poorly, if we treat other people in ways that we say we hate that person, we want to destroy that person, what we're saying is we hate God. That's a tough one to swallow. But it's true. So what are your action points for today Very briefly, remind yourself daily about the image of God's status of the people around you. If you think daily is too much, hey, at least do it often. But I know for me, I need this every day. I need to remind myself that those people that kind of get on my nerves, those people that I don't particularly like, those people that rub me the wrong way, they're created in the image of God, and I need to show them that they are valuable. And then second, treat people accordingly. It's hard. (laughs) It is really hard when you tell yourself, This person who's spitting in my face is made in the image of God to spit in their face also. Here's an example. You guys, if you were here at the very beginning, you heard me talk about how I was impersonated this week. Many of you got texts. This is the third time this has happened, where somehow, in some way, someone got my contact information, not my phone number your phone numbers and texted you saying he, he or she, whoever it was, was me, and saying, hey, this is Pastor Stewart, I need your help. And when I heard that was going on, I was so angry that someone would try to take advantage of you. And I mean, it was hard for me to contain myself. You can ask Donna, I just kept, like, talking about it all day. You know? And I was preparing for this sermon, and I reminded myself that even that impersonator is created in the image of God. And so while I disagree with what they've done, and I think what they've done deserves justice, I cannot curse them. Oh, I want to which is another way that I need to be sanctified. I need God to work in my heart. I'm trying to refuse to call them names, like jerk face. I think that did come to my mind at one point. And it also led me to say, you know what? Jesus, I know you're a God of justice, And I want justice to happen in this case because your body has been harmed by this. I mean, just the fact that you were trying to be, somebody tried to take advantage of you. And and that something needs to happen there. So whether it's justice in this life, he gets caught, or justice in the next life, or justice at the cross. I do want justice. And I'm praying for him that most of the justice will be meted out at the cross. Would you please save this man's soul? Let me just tell you, that did not happen the first time he impersonated me. It didn't happen the second time. And honestly, it happened a lot later than I would like to admit this time. But Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who abuse you. Oh, here's a guy created in the image of God, living in a way that doesn't reflect God truly. What's the best thing that could happen for him to come to know? the real image, the perfect image, and to be renewed and changed from the inside out. And wouldn't that be a great story if this person started coming to Westminster? Wouldn't that be a great story? Wouldn't that be something we could all rejoice over? I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. This guy will come to faith. Because he's created in the image of God. He's valuable because of that. And therefore, his soul is valuable. May Jesus have mercy on his soul and bring him to himself. And I pray that all of us will be able to do that with the enemies in our lives. So, folks, by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus, let's value Others, as images of God because that's what they are. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, will you help us to value others as the image of God that they are? And again, I pray for this, um, this person that impersonated me. Lord, I do pray that justice would come. But in that justice, that you would also show him mercy and that he would come to faith and he would be part of the family that he has hurt. Would you bring that about for your glory, for our good, and for his good? Amen.